Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. How about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And away we go. Right on time on a Friday afternoon. Good to have you along with us as we talk... Uh, Orange sports and whatever might be on your mind with you. Basketball last night, football tomorrow, the mismatch uh, time of the season with lots going on. And uh, we'll try to make the best sense of it we possibly can right here on the radio with you for the next hour on this Friday. I always love the Fridays before home games with uh, the buzz starting to build uh, on campus and around the community, getting into a big one tomorrow night, match with five win teams as Syracuse takes on NC State in the Dome with a 7 o'clock primetime Saturday night game. Those are rare of late and uh, winning them even more rare, so a real opportunity here for the Orange. And we'll hear from Coach Babers on the show today with some of the highlights from the Dino Babers show last night. Packed house out at Press Room. Polly and I uh, unable to make it due to Syracuse basketball and the Orange rolling as expected in an exhibition game last night against the College of St. Rose, uh, winning that one with uh, no trouble. You knew that would be the case, but uh, what would be the details? They won it 80-49. to Tyus Battle hardly heard from by his standards. He was just one of ten shooting, seven points, six assists though, as he played a bit of a point guard role in the absence of all of the injured players. And it was O'Shea Brissett's show, but Elijah Hughes and Buddy Beheim, uh, I guess you could say playing in the Dome for the first time, but not really, uh, each had 19 points. Hard to use that phrase, right, in the Dome for the first, because they've all played there, and this game still doesn't count. So it's not like this is really the first, necessarily, that uh, game against Eastern Washington on the 2nd of November will be their first real go of it. It's a Friday before a Dome game, so we're going to play pick six today. And uh, we just had a production meeting at lunch, Polly, uh, going over the annals of uh, pick six lore, the, uh, the, the ups and downs, mostly downs, of uh, the performances of not only us but the audience as well. And uh, we're, we're hoping for better today to give away a pair of ducats to the North Carolina State game. I have picked one of my categories, and I'm still working on another. <laughs> okay, well... I'm doing all stall for a little bit here. I've got, I think, three or four to go or to got them ready to go. We'll oh, get yeah, to we don't want people Googling. Get so. the six total and uh, looking forward to uh, shaking that out. And hopefully we can give away some tickets a bit later in the show. Get ready to call us, folks, at 315-437-7644, 315-4ESPN44. If you'd just like to uh, talk hoops or football, you're welcome to uh, fire away as well. The basketball game last night, and we know we do this, and I know the guys on the previous show said it. You have to frame everything. Look, it's an exhibition game. Didn't count against a Division II team in front of uh, 5,600 fans. This is not like real basketball or like the ACC schedule or the grind. Everybody's going to have up days and down days and, and all of that. But it's the only basketball we've seen on campus here in many months, and there's lots of extrapolating that uh, tends to happen coming out of these exhibition games, but that was a talented team that we saw on the floor last night. Long, certainly intimidating to a 
St. Rose team, but lots of answers. The fact that they made 10 three-pointers, that was so rare last year for a team that shot only 41.5% from the field as a team, one of the worst in the country. Still find a way to make the uh, Sweet 16 because the defense was extraordinarily good. Last night's defense, pretty good. Held St. Rose to less than 30%. They made only five three-pointers in 26 tries. That's 19%. Syracuse had a surplus of 17 on the boards. And the Orange didn't shoot it great. In fact, 41.5% again, which was right at their average last year. But they made 10 three-pointers. They give you more for those. Okay at the free-throw line. And doing all of that without really any representation of a point guard. Frank Howard, Jalen Carey uh, missed last night. You could see the impact that they would make in connecting people, moving the ball quickly, uh, because you know, Tyus Battle can, can bring the ball to the floor. He's capable of it, but it's also with him on the ball, it sort of changes the way he goes about scoring. And I thought it was a heavy lift for him last night. He, he You could just kind of see it in his eyes at times, like, man, this is tough. And I know, uh, Paulie, you were on the radio side last night. Coach Sadlin said after the game, he thinks that uh, Tyus ought to be right over at Frank Howard's place, helping him get his you know feet up off the, on the couch and rested. And what can we do to get you back in the lineup? Howard and and Kerry both would have uh, are still going to make a great impact on this team. That was the only uh, problem I had with the game last night, and hopefully it is the effect of not having a point guard. It, there were points where, like last year, it looked like the offense took a little while to develop as as it was going on. But that was the only thing. I could really find out of last night's game that I had a problem with. Yeah, against these teams that they overmatch physically, which are going to be a lot of them early in the year, they're just going to dominate. We've seen that happen a number of years now. Uh, when Syracuse has been able to recruit these types of teams with the length that they have, so you look out on the floor, and at any given time, let's just look at the starting li- lineup last night, Battle, Bayheim, Hughes, Brissett, Chuku. That's 6-6, 6-6, 6-7-ish. Six nine seven two, and when you can substitute, you've got Robert Braswell on the bench six nine, Marek Dolajai six ten. You know those guys aren't necessarily they're not prime time ACC players yet. Who who knows what their ceiling is? Brahma Sidibe uh, didn't exactly have a, a super noteworthy performance last night, but the length that they provide is astonishing, and Coach Beheim. You know, brought in the press early, and you know if that's something that he feels like he can do because the roster is deeper, uh, that can bring about some excitement and maybe some easy baskets. And and uh, of course, everybody loves to to talk about that. But uh, I think the the length alone is so much of a factor and so intimidating, something that can't be compensated for by most of these uh, non ACC opponents early in the year that uh, they're going to roll through those games just because of that. Again, uh, because there was no point guards, did you make anything out of the lineup and or playing time? Last not really. Night? It's not what I expected. I, I thought it would have been uh, Battle, Hughes, Brissett, Dolajai, Chuku is what I thought it would be. As it turned out, it, it worked out fine. Uh, you know, Buddy Beheim in the starting lineup, and and that probably raises an eyebrow for a few people. But he absolutely showed that he belonged to be in there. He made shots. He. Put the ball on the floor. Can put it on the floor, yeah. He he uh, obviously has well-rounded skills. He knows what he's doing and, and all of those things, and I think he absolutely justified the, the nod he got to start. And and I think there's another thing just 
stealing from Coach Saddle. We would have probably maybe even had him on the show today if we didn't already have him on Monday this week. But afterward, and I know he must have said this on the, the broadcast last night, it's important for Buddy. People talk about Buddy like he's their kid. You know, he's Coach Beheim's son. Everybody feels like they know Coach and Julie because of their uh, longevity and impact in the community here. And I know for years, Syracuse fans, they talk about the players on a first-name basis. But when they say Buddy, they, it's like a different tone of voice around here. It's like, it's our Buddy. It's it, it's uh, our son or son of the program that's in there. And people want to see him succeed. They want to see him earn his spot. And he belongs. And I think people are going to keep an eye on him um, in that kind of way. And if he is going to be inserted, you know, he didn't start because he was the coach's kid last night. He started because, given the circumstances they have and the options available, um, he earned his spot there, but then he backed it up by playing well in the game. Had he not, had he had the one for 10 shooting night, then, you know, it would be a little awkward, I think, for everybody in, involved. But uh, who knows what his role will be in the mainstream and, and going forward. But uh, right now, he is absolutely holding his own and then some. So that is uh, hoops. And if you'd like to uh, chime in on that, you can. We've got some highlights from the Dino Babers show to share with you last night. We'll walk through that. And we'll give away tickets to the NC State game with pick six. You know the deal on that. You call up. We'll give you a category. If you name six of them in a 30-second time frame, you are a winner. Could be our first caller. It could be our eighth if we have the patience to get that far. If it takes more than a few, we might uh, run out of steam here. But we'll do the best we can. Yeah, the tickets are... uh from our good friends at Bill Rapp. We, they are good friends. Bill and Brian Rapp, good people. Donna Rapp, all good folks. So Thanks uh, to them. Very good seats. to the Rapps for providing the uh, Ducats for the NC State game. And uh, should be a good one, not only the game itself, but just the idea of a Saturday night game in the Dome and uh, how loud that can be and potentially intimidating to a visiting team. All good stuff. Looking forward to that one very much. And we're going to uh, talk about it, set it up with some of the uh, comments from Coach Babers that frame the matchup when we continue. You're listening to In the Booth, off and running on this Friday on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. We are back in the booth. Good to have you with us. Set to play pick six here in a little bit. Second half of the show. So get ready to call at 437-7644. That's 315-4ESPN44 for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Orange and NC State in the Dome tomorrow night at 7 o'clock primetime game. So uh, do get ready for that. Let's run through some of the highlights of the Dino Babers show last night. And some of these are news to us. Not that uh, Coach necessarily broke any new ground here, but uh, he and Brian Higgins had a conversation going over a lot of the topics of note leading into this game. And certainly there's been plenty of talk about the quarterbacks. And one of the things we always say about this is you know, the coaches evaluate at a level way beyond the guy with the nachos in Section 214. And, and I think we have a tendency in the talk radio world to kind of get into that. And, and somebody had pointed that out uh, earlier in the week. Well, if Tommy DeVito doesn't start, I'm going to be disappointed well, what do the coaches think? Do they think Tommy DeVito's the next great thing or not? And how are they measuring the quarterbacks from one game to the next? As they go back and every hear the coaches say, well, i got to go watch the film, here's what they're looking for. First of all, you have to start with, uh, even when in the run game, there's certain gaps that the quarterback's feet are supposed to be in to help the running back 
get into the gap and make sure that you don't push them out of the gap. So you start with the run game and uh, QB center exchange. You go into there's certain checks in the run game that we need. There's certain run plays that they're supposed to get us to, certain pass plays that they're supposed to get us to with the check system. So you have to go back and see how they did on their checks. When you go into the throwing game, when they're going through their reads, whether they're going through their reads properly or whether jumping reads going from one to three or one to four and not executing the reads all the way through. And then there's also part of our throwing game where they can actually allow to change routes at the line of scrimmage and whether they're giving the correct signal. You could, sometimes you'll see the ball thrown and you're like, where, who's he throwing it to? Well, that's either a, wide, a quarterback giving a wide receiver changing a route and the wide receiver not getting the route change, okay? Or the quarterback actually giving the, court, the receiver a signal and he doesn't know it. He does his hand a certain way and it's a signal. The receiver sees it and then he comes and runs the play the other way. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on, little things that people can't see that you need the tape to go back to make sure who's right and who's wrong before you give a grade and a score to that game. Orange head coach Dino Babers on the Dino Babers show last night at Press Room Pub. So I think if you read between the lines there, he's talking about not everything is as it seems. And in order for the quarterback to function with the entire rest, there's a lot more to it than just throwing the ball. And it's the function with the rest of the team and the hand signals to the, and the adjustments on the fly with the wide receivers. Uh, that's something that you develop over time. You would think that Eric Dungy is uh, further ahead of that than Tommy DeVito, but when DeVito came in, the passing game was uh, kicked up to another level. So maybe uh, DeVito has uh, made some significant gains there, and we'll see. And I think uh, made it clear here throughout the week, I think you should expect to see both quarterbacks play in the game tomorrow night with DeVito starting and then Dungy having a predetermined series or the idea that they'll uh, you know, bring him in at some point almost – uh, irrespective of Dungy's performance. As for the NC State passing game, it's among the best in the country, let alone the conference, and that's because they have a three-year starter who literally, now to this point, counting his time at Boise and then two and a half years at NC State, Ryan Finley has thrown for exactly 9,000 career yards. He's close to 70% yes. normally. Because he's so efficient, they're a third down uh, conversion percentages through the roof. I want to say it's 50%. It's the highest in the entire conference. I want to say they're 40 for 80 on third down, not that details are important. important. So this is an, a very, very efficient offense that can run the football and a defense that's built to stop the run. So, uh, you know, they're a good football team. They've always been a good football team. They've been one of the top teams in our conference ever since Coach Dorns came over from Northern Illinois in the MAC. Well, a lot of former MAC coaches now in the ACC, that's how it works. You go on to the major conferences if you have success in the MAC, and they're all scattered throughout the uh, Big Ten, the ACC, and uh, the Big 12. And uh, here in the ACC, Coach Babers is a former MAC coach. Dave Doran, who we had on the show yesterday of NC State's a former MAC coach. Dave Clawson, the head coach at Wake Forest now, is the former Bowling Green coach prior to Babers. So there's a lot of action in this league. But Finley's a good one, good wide receiving core, good offensive line. They've been sacked just three times this year. He gets rid of it quickly. Rushing the passer, an important aspect for Syracuse, but uh, tough to get to a guy in this case that's been at it for a long time and has the tools to avoid sacks and move the ball. You know, the, the whole key to a three-man rush or a four-man rush is based off, off of, yes, you get less pressure on a quarterback with three, but you have one extra defender 
to uh, cover an area which really makes the windows a lot smaller and the quarterback has to be a lot accurate, a lot more accurate. When you go with a four-man rush, you're opening up, you're opening up a seam. So if you get a very a- uh, accurate quarterback, he can let that ball go right away into that seam with a receiver and your four-man rush can never get there. Anytime you have a quarterback as, a, as efficient as Finley is, you've got to mix up the rushes. You've got to go three-man. You've got to go four-man. You've got to go five-man. You just can't live and breathe in one because he'll just eat you up. And people don't realize that three-man rushes can be extremely effective if the underneath coverage can get the quarterback to double-hitch the ball uh, by covering his first and second read. You've got to have a beat on him. You've got to know what combinations they like to throw in what situations, but you can get the quarterback to hold the ball to where you can uh, get a sack in that situation. The thing that Finley does so outstanding is that in that situation when you're right about to get a sack, he has an uncanny knack of feeling it and throwing that ball away so you don't get to have it second and 15 or, or, or first, second and 15 or third and 15. It's always first and 10, second and 10, third and 10 because it does a fantastic job of throwing the ball away. That'll be something to watch in the game tomorrow. Now, we don't know until really game time the status of Syracuse's injured cornerbacks. Chris Frederick and Scoop Bradshaw both missed a good bit of time in the game last week against North Carolina. I think if you want to go with the last thing he was talking about there, really blanket the coverage and rush with only three and then close down all these passing lanes, you need to have everybody healthy there. And uh, as well as Ify Melifonwu played last week, We'll see uh, just how many bodies they have to man those positions and if they can get enough heat on uh, Finley, who again has been sacked just uh, three times for the year. A couple of uh, big picture issues here. The uh, idea that uh, the Orange off the North Carolina win have uh, gained some momentum. You can sense that one of the things the coaching staff has done this week is address the team's expectations from here on out because yes everybody knows one more win gets this team into a bowl game uh, and that's all great but there's a lot of games to be played it's not like you're building up to just one more their expectations for the season are to win more than just six and it was really nice just to be in one of those battles and come out on the other side we've had a fantastic week of practice uh, offensively and defensively special teams has been extremely upbeat and we're at a place that we've never been before. You know, we've got seniors on this, redshirt seniors on this squad, that this is the most games that they've ever won in college. And we still have, what, five or six games left. So this is an exciting time for us. Well, it is exciting, and it would be exciting for the community. Babers, you know, as a player at Hawaii, was used to a lot of success. Not that you really necessarily think of Hawaii as a football power or remember their heyday back when uh, he would have been a player there. But, and I think we've noticed it through time, the, the people that we've talked about here from the 80s and 90s, the Chris Gedneys of the world, and 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 on this show, and whether it's Donovan McNabb or the guys that came back in as a recognition of those mid-90s Big East championship teams, you have a different remembrance and a different camaraderie about your college time when you're winning. And that's what he wants to provide for this group of seniors that you know have been integral, obviously, in Coach Baber's tenure now in his third year here. he's uh, They've been the only group that he has known as he continues to mold the program, but he wants to provide a bowl game for this group. 
You know, it, it's really, in, in, in one context, it's really kind of sad. I mean, I was, um, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I was, I was only five years, counting my redshirt year in college, I never played on a losing football team. Okay, now, you flip that over, and now you've got these seniors that are in the exact same situation. You count their redshirt years, I, they've never been on a winning football team, and I'm, I'm doing everything in my power, losing sleep, everything that I can do to make sure that these guys get to at least experience something that I think should be normal for us here at Syracuse University. Well, and normal is the next step and the step after that. You've got to win your sixth and get to a first bowl game before it can become a, a commonplace you know, and a habit and year after year. But uh, we shall see, and certainly that's what everybody is uh, – desiring here is to kind of you know when you talk about turning a corner or a program being back it's when you're going to a bowl game uh, pretty much automatically and on a regular basis nc state's looking to become bowl eligible for the fifth consecutive year and they also need just one more win to do that and uh, for syracuse the bowl will be the uh, first in a bit in fact the uh, 2010 texas bowl that'll come up in our pick six segment a bit later if you want to start thinking about that, four three seven seven six four 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 ESPN forty four. If you'd like to uh, join us on the phone, when we come back, we'll do. Do we care? We'll get set for pick six. We'll give away a pair of tickets to the upcoming North Carolina State game in the Dome. That's as we roll along in the booth on ESPN Radio. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No way. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. Red Sox pitching coach. Says that he caught Manny Machado relaying signs from second base to hitters during Game Two of the World Series. Not a big deal that he's doing it legally, right? It's part of the game. Yes, absolutely. I, I'd have to see exactly what he did in this case, but as long we talked about this last week or some time in here, as long as there's not undue technology involved, if it's just somebody picking up tendencies and signaling it, that's fine. Now that person is also at risk at getting spikes into him or getting a fastball to the ear hole if it's figured out or noticed that he's doing it. So it's on the part of Machado to be, I would think, to be subtle in doing it. But uh, that's why that's why the whole system works. That's why the catcher goes out and changes the signs when there's a runner at second base for this whole purpose. So if, if there was such a thing where they said, well, the runner at second's never going to signal in the pitch if he figures it out anyway, then why would we bother? And maybe that would speed up games or something, but you, you can't police that. So uh, that's the way it's going to be. My only gripe is that Machado's had a bad look this postseason. He's probably the, right, the not the right player to be doing this. Maybe he's the one that got caught and he's not the only player doing this for the Dodgers, right. but probably not a great look for him to be doing this, even though it's... Well, you know, and some hitters will tell you they don't even want to know, but Machado probably could be a little more subtle in doing it. I wouldn't stop him from doing it if he's able to, to pick it up. He's helping his team that way. But he, yeah, you're right. He's had a, a whole series of kind of dirty play type things here, and it'll be interesting to see the team he goes to in free agency this offseason because they're going to have to kind of address this. It's been sure. so public that he's had a list of, of two or three things that in and of themselves are all pretty innocuous. I mean, stepping on a guy's foot at first base is, is pretty dirty, but uh, that's the way it goes. Plays the game hard. He'll have to address it at some point. I do wonder if it lowers his price tag at all. I no. don't think it'll eliminate teams from wanting him. But it's too good a player. Yeah. People like winning, and they like somebody they can hit and field like he can. Sure. 
Uh, a billboard was put up in New York City of Kevin Durant in a Knicks jersey next to Chris Stapps Porzingis holding the championship trophy with the caption, Can you make NY sports great again? Hashtag KDNY2019. Yeah, he was in a Knicks jersey in a way that those uh, knockoff baseball cards were. Yeah, it was were, a cartoon. Yeah. Like ESPN does with the hats. So right, right. like spray painted. It wasn't, well, they at least, you know, they photoshopped the real deal. Here, you know, it's like blurred out and kind of cartoonish and the uniform was happened to be orange and blue but uh, not legit yeah I think it'd be great to see Kevin Durant there he's obviously an awesome player uh, he and Porzingis would be incredible together two of the a similar type of player to have seven footers with that kind of skill would be amazing so I'm all for it but if I'm Durant I don't know how quickly I step away from he's got a pretty good thing there they're, they're going to keep winning with the Warriors for quite a while they get a new arena coming out there and he's got it pretty good I do think there's a pretty real chances that he does leave this offseason, though, but I don't know how realistic the Knicks are as an option for him. The billboards worked great for the Sixers fans. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> the players aren't going to come because of billboards. They're going to come because of Cage. dough and uh, opportunities to make more and the spotlight they're going to have and a chance to win. And, and certainly in New York, and I'm sure somebody like Durant, who would have the ability to make the Knicks competitive Again, by himself, just because you know when he makes that transition to join another good player in Porzingis, there has to be some appeal. I mean, it it's unquestionably better to be good with the Knicks than to be good with the Bucks or the Pacers. Now he's he's got a pretty good situation going with the Warriors, but if he can get that going in in New York, that would be big. Uh, and the Mets, they're down to two choices for their GM job after eliminating for, former Brewers GM Doug Melvin. The two choices are. Chaim Bloom, 35-year-old uh, senior vice president for the Tampa Bay Rays. And interesting enough, Brody Van Wagenen, who is the player agent uh, for Jacob deGrom, their star pitcher, and apparently he is the leader in the clubhouse for this position. Well, and if he gets it, then he won't be Jacob deGrom's agent anymore. There is some precedent for that. You know, Jeff Morad was a longtime baseball agent and then went on to run the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Pretty complicated, but those guys know the other side of contract negotiations and that type of deal. And if he's able to uh, impress the Wilpons here with uh, how he's going to fit in with them and, and manage their organization, the Mets need to do something different. They, they, they've got to shake it up. They've had some bad years here and some bad mojo. And I don't know that a change of GM necessarily does the trick, but it's worth a shot. Rob Polinka was also hired as a GM for the Lakers. I know Magic Johnson is above him in, in making decisions, so a little bit different. But there is also that that he he was an agent and now is hired for the same position in, in basketball. Yeah, those guys know what they're looking at. They know certainly the insides and outs of the uh, business aspect of it. I think it's worth a shot. I mean, neither of these guys played shortstop anywhere, as far as I know. So uh, it's just changing. You know, Doug Melvin, longtime baseball guy. You know, he, the guy you picture at spring training with a dip in and, and that kind of thing. So that's that's not right now the prevailing trend. I mean, there'll probably be a, you know, a reversal, of course, here down the line. But right now it's smart people with degrees from Ivy League schools that can crunch the numbers, and that's who's running baseball teams right now. They do have Omar, Omar Minaya in their front office, so I wonder if they look at him to be a guy to look at the baseball side of things and this guy to look at the, the business end of things. Yeah, end potentially. Things. You know, Omar Minaya's had a long-running relationship with the Wilpons. He was the Mets GM before. Yeah. Certainly knows player evaluation. He knows the Latin market, and maybe they figure that that's a combination. I could, could see where they're going there. All right, Tommy, thank you. No problem. Can I throw a story in quick? Yes. Brock Holt uh, did not like the Taco Bell 
That looks like a title, that, a yeah. headline that you would have written. <laughs> Brock Holt dumps on Taco Bell's World Series promotion. He's a big Chipotle guy, and he said, "I wouldn't, I wouldn't need a Taco Bell if my life depended on it. And if you do, I have a it's friend. not a fun thing. If you eat there, and if it was Chipotle, I'd go." I'm more of a Chipotle person myself. I have a friend who's the complete opposite, who would much rather eat at Taco Bell over Chipotle. Taco Bell was just voted the best Mexican restaurant in America. Oh. Get out of here. Yeah, That's why I hate this country. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, again, when, when you, just when you hear that, or, or somebody says that out loud, you're like, based on what parameters, what the heck are you talking He's, about? Brockholt says his two-year-old son eats whole Chipotle bowls by himself. Oh, my god, That's crazy. That's <laughs> you, nuts. Um, you know who the sports guy. sports world and the ESPN world would appreciate? You know who is legitimately like one of the best Mexican, you might know this probably, one of the best American chefs in Mexican food in the country? Best Mexican chef in the country. No this, idea. This particular individual is not Mexican, so I'm trying to phrase this the right way. Uh, Rick Bayless. Like all the, like the top-notch uh, fancy Mexican restaurants, particularly in his case in Chicago, but in other cities. Vegas, I think. Rick Bayless, Skip Bayless's brother, is a big, really. I was going to ask if there's time, relation. Yeah, is a big time uh, Mexican chef. I'm a Moe's guy. I know you are. You're big in a. I have a Moe's issue. Did Moe's you was say? Didn't you have a problem there with, with them at one I, point? Well, they have an app where you can get yeah. the, the food, and they do the welcome to Moe's when you walk in. It's now, hey, Polly, when okay, you walk yeah. in, <laughs> and you get ten free dollars for every hundred you spend. And let's put this. I have a hundred and thirty. <laughs> Free dollars. Wow. <laughs> I'm equal opportunity. I love all those places, man. Yeah. I crush those places. It's kind of hard to mess up a burrito bowl. Chipotle is kind of a regular for me. Mondays are long days. I leave class. I'm not feeling great about myself, and I go just get a big old bowl of rice and beans and chicken and salsa and all kinds of good stuff. How can that be bad for you? When do they decide the things that are bad for you now? I mean, we just had lunch at a nice Italian restaurant that we're going to have the Coach Bayheim show. Just had a meeting. You might have heard about it, Polly. I was there. Uh, he was there. Well, after he was supposed to be there, but he was there. I got a very but scolding wh- email. Why does bread have to be bad for you? You know, can't we just eat the bread and enjoy it? There's been bread for a thousand years. I don't think a burrito bowl is bad no, for you. No, it's not. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's that bad. But everybody, there's like a connotation, you know, oh, you can't go to Chipotle. Come on, let us live a little. I, I don't get the tortilla. That's what makes me feel like I'm doing it properly. Like if you don't get you the, don't get yeah I don't the get the burritos. <laughs> well, have you ever noticed the difference in calories? Of course, all these places print the calories. Which that for me, when I'm president, you're at least going to be able to opt into that stuff. Do we need to see it in front of everybody? Yeah, we went to dinner in uh, yeah. I forgot where we were the other. Well, that was at a really a nice restaurant in Pittsburgh. The really nice ones. Look, I'm paying fifty dollars for a steak, but the desserts, or more. Yeah, right. The desserts were a whole day's worth of calories. Yeah, and we were like wow, just insane. And so they guilt you into it. I think when you go to a really nice restaurant, you are opting into that. Part of the exorbitant prices you pay, does the steak really need to cost $65? No. But I'll go along with that ruse. I'll pay the 65 Just don't tell me the number of calories. That's the deal. Yeah, if you go and put market price next to it. Right, right, right. Market calories. calories. <laughs> you don't want to see that shame. Yeah. Well, or just make it optional. Sure. You know, make, uh, how about a menu with like the invisible ink thing, you know, and if you want to know or just, you know, hide it with a flap or something like that. If you're curious about the calories, you can I had dig a- in. But if you don't want to know, if you're splurging, because when you go to a dinner like that, nobody goes to dinner like that every night or every week even, unless it's the boss. If you're going to go to a place like that, you're kind of splurging and, you're not counting calories fun. when you're going to a place like that. I would hope you, not. Yeah. Or, may, or maybe you had a you skip lunch. I sure. had I had a two thousand calorie slice of coconut cream pie that yeah. Was, <laughs> was it worth it? Oh yeah. It was yeah. unquestionable. It's insanely good, but <laughs> yeah. 
You just want to live a little. All right, we're going to give away some tickets when we come back. We'll do pick six. Call us at 437-7644. That's 315-437-7644. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Orange and NC State coming up in the Dome tomorrow night. That's when we continue in the booth. Brought to you by Bugs Be Gone and CH Insurance. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. To you each uh, Monday through Friday from 2 to 3 by Bugs Be Gone and CH Insurance. We thank them for that. Now about to give away a couple of tickets to the Orange and NC State. It's in the Dome tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. The way we give away tickets, and these tickets are courtesy of our friends at uh, Bill Rapp, we do pick six. So we've got some callers on the line. You can call us at 315-437-7644, 315-4ESPN44. When you come on, We'll allow you to pick from any of six categories. Once we give you the category, you put thirty. Polly will put thirty seconds on the clock. If you name six acceptable answers in the category, you win the tickets. If you don't, we move on and we pick another category. Everybody good with that? Okay, it's, I'm good with it. Okay, if, if the listeners are, that'll be yeah. a whole another short. We uh, have a wrinkle today where we have a special guest celebrity referee on one of the categories. We'll tell you about that should it arise. Okay, so we'll get into that as we go. All right, uh, let's uh, line them up here, Paulie. Who do we have? Dave and Camillus. Dave and Camillus. I feel like Dave has called in before to take his shot at this, but we'll give it a shot. Dave, were you the, were you the guy that read out of the media guide all the answers to a question I asked? No, it wasn't me. Uh, okay, good. All right, good, Dave. Well, you get uh, another crack. What would be your category, Dave, uh, one to six? No, let's go with six. With the, and sure enough, number six right away, he gets to our – Celebrity referee Rick DiUlio, well-known, longtime area jock. Hello, Rick. How are you? I'm great, man. Music expert. Great. So, Polly tells me that today is the anniversary of an AC/DC album, Black Ice, going number one. So, this is our one kind of pop culture category here. You ready, Dave and Camillus? What you're going to oh, do I'm is you're going to name. One, I can tell. What's that? I'm done on this one. I don't well, think I'll get it. Well, Let's I think Rick's, Rick's here to help you out. I, I, we didn't tell Rick that he couldn't give hints, but he's going to give the yay or nay, and he's going to count you up to six. Hopefully you can get to six uh, ACDC songs. Dave, go ahead. 30 seconds. I I can't even give you one. Okay, the album was okay. called Black Ice, Dave and Camillus. <laughs> Uh, Their other album was called Back in Black. (laughs) (laughs) They do a lot of shaking, Dave, all night long. They've got Uh, big balls. Oh, I got. They did some deeds inexpensively. (laughs) Go ahead, Dave. Did you have one? I don't have any. How old are you, Dave? I'm sorry. All right, Dave. That was impressive. We gave him. Four. <laughs> That's all right. Good good effort, though, Dave. Good sport. We appreciate the try. Rick, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Well, Anytime. gee, I, well, we'll see. See if somebody else is going to see if that one comes back around. Right. That was number six. Who's, that was impressive. I could accidentally name an ACDC. Well, we gave them two <laughs> album titles. You'd think yeah. that, you know, yes. the We've got, name uh, of the album might be a song. Mike be in Auburn. Mike in Auburn. Thanks for calling. How are you, Mike? No problem. Hey, not bad. How you doing? All right, Mark? you know Matt? the premise here. We're going to give you a category. You're going to name six in 30 seconds, okay? Okay, uh, number three. Number three. Okay, this is, all right, schools that play basketball in the Northeast 10 Conference. Oh, my God. I wouldn't even do that. Northeast 10 Conference? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Just want to parenthetically North- point out that Syracuse is playing exhibition games against St. Rose and Lemoyne. 
But we're asking you now to name six teams in the Northeast 10 Conference in 30 seconds. Go. St. Rose one. Ding. That's one. <laughs> um, oh, God. Syracuse oh, Area God. School. Any school in the Northeast. Um, How about Fredonia? Is- what was that? Fredonia? No. Wrong direction there. Uh, there's Thanks, a school guys. called Lemoyne that happens to be the westernmost of the Northeast uh, Ten. Uh, is right, Pace uh, one? That's right. <laughs> Pace is one. You yes. Quinnipiac. Come on, Polly. Quinnipiac's at a much higher level. Uh, were they no. once in? Was uh, Quinnipiac was once in in the, the Northeast Ten? They that would may have been a long time ago. Okay. That was not a tough one, not exactly. That was a tougher category. Not exactly off to a rousing start. But the the upshot is. You know, as you're eliminating categories, maybe in theory your chance of, of winding up on an easy one are better. Okay, who's Tom in Waitsboro? All right, Tom. I'm, I'm glad we have a parade here. You can get on the line here, folks, at 315-437-7644. About three up. minutes left in the show. Tom in Whitesboro, numbered one to six instead of three or six. Or three or six. Okay, let's go with number one. Number one. Okay, this is an oldie but a goodie. Tom in Whitesboro. Places that Dino Babers coached. Before Syracuse, thirty seconds go. Oh my God! Uh, oh, this is embarrassing. Yes, this it is. is. Terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, more for you uh, or him? Oh, uh, not uh, yeah, Illinois. Uh, no, not Illinois. That's not. Oh my God! Not Illinois is this correct. Is terrible. I'll give you that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is. I can't believe it this. Is terrible. If we had said, I know the answer to this. If we had said states uh, in which he'd coached. Uh, why did I pick Green. Oh, good try. This is so sad for me. I think we need to do more hints, better hints, more aggressive. So I, I'm How about just, letters? Especially with, with uh, Rick here. I, I, see, I, I yeah. think Rick is getting embarrassed for us. So we're going to be really friendly here. Next person, we're going to give as many tips as possible. we got to give these tickets away. Jeff we're going to get Syracuse. you over the line. Jeff and Syracuse. Here we go. Ready, Jeff? Yes, sir. Pick All right, number. Jeff. Give me uh, two, four, or five. Uh, we'll go with uh, five. All right. This is Jeff and Syracuse. Syracuse quarterbacks to pass for 350 yards in a game. Whoa. Uh, be easy. Uh, McPherson? McNabb? No. Uh, Dungy? No. Yes. Uh, oh, geez. Marvin? Marvin Graves? Two. Ryan? Uh, Nassib? Three. <laughs> um, Two guys that were backups that you wouldn't think about. Zach Mahoney? Four. Um, Give the first name. Quick, quick, quick. Andrew? Uh, no, that's not ringing a bell. Um, uh, that well, there's a bell. Good try, though. That's four. It Spe- was ringing speaking a bell. Speaking of leader in the clubhouse, <laughs> we might have to hang him out. All right, we got like one minute left in the show. We can't Kevin. go long for this. All right, Kevin, last category, Kevin. Ha- pick any of them if you know the answers no. to any of them. <laughs> one through right. six, go ahead. If you could rattle them off. Hang on, i got to get the uh, the answers up. Six, you want to do the ACDC song? Uh, yeah, let's Absolutely. do it. All right, let's go. He's ready. He's calling his shot. We'll let you do that. We're right. that desperate. Go ahead, Kevin. 30 seconds, six ACDC songs with Rick DiUlio as referee. Show. Oh, and you just, just had to dump him. Uh, back in black. Four. Dirty uh, deeds. Explosive. Done. Three letters. Explosive. Thunder. Thunder. Thunderstruck. Okay. Yeah. yeah, one more. One more. Three letters. It's explosive. T-N-T. Yes! <laughs> Our listeners are the smartest. <laughs> oh, man. 
I feel like if we had said, can you count to six, that might have been a challenge for everybody here today. Rick, thank you very much. Anytime, guys. Awesome. We're out of show and out of steam for today. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for playing. Better luck next time.